mornings. I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today with prices of just about everything going up these days, there's never been a better time to sharpen your negotiating skills. We have some expert advice. Plus, small business owners have had to demonstrate their resiliency time and time again over the past year plus. What are the lessons learned and where do they go from here? In our ongoing Keeping the Faith series, Grandparenting Teens. Some three million kids have grandparents who, for various reasons, have stepped in as parents will help bridge that generation gap. And don't look now, but there are only 100 days until Christmas. For many, the holiday shopping has already begun. Why the season may look very different from now on. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. It is Greenpeace Day today, the International Day of Democracy. It is International Dot Day. International Dot Day. How, how would you observe that, International Dot Day? Uh, it is National Double Cheeseburger Day. I know how to celebrate that. <laughs> Butterscotch Cinnamon Pie Day as well. They have a double cheeseburger and a butterscotch cinnamon pie for dessert. And uh, you'll be all set. You may end up in the hospital. (laughs) Double cheeseburger and butterscotch cinnamon pie. This does not sound very healthy. But uh, uh, National Creme de Mint Day. Creme de Mint Day. National Linguini Day. Uh, It is Tackle Kids Cancer Day, and it is National Thank You Day today. So reasons to celebrate, as there always are reasons to celebrate. Okay, so here is your uh, question of the day. I saw this on the uh, Newswire. I thought it was really interesting. This survey of 2,000 adults age 50 and over, and they asked, what is the sound that triggers happy memories for you what sound triggers happy memories now the top of the list number one response uh a specific song or a piece of music and that's kind of a given okay so we set that aside other than a specific song or a piece of music what sound triggers happy nostalgic memories for you and what they find is That number one, sound is what sets off the best memories ahead of sight and even smell, according to this survey. Uh, Four in ten people experience sounds that prompt nostalgic thoughts a couple of times a week. And this is particularly, particularly true, they say, and this is what I thought was interesting, when it comes to sounds of the outdoors. Outdoor sounds trigger memories of good times for 67% of adults. And indeed, uh, well, the top two, other than a specific song or a piece of music, so setting that aside, uh, waves, the sound of waves crashing on the shore and birds singing are the top responses. Uh, Then a crackling fireplace, walking on fresh snow, the sound of walking, that crunch of fresh snow under your feet uh, is right up there. Uh, waterfalls, uh, the sound of a purring cat, trees blowing in the wind, the rustling of the leaves, rain on the window pane, which is kind of an outdoor sound, uh, rustling leaves, like in the fall, 
uh, church bells and bees buzzing. So those are you know some of the uh, top responses. So our question of the day, and you can log on to our Facebook page and uh, share your favorite sound. We want to know what sound for you always triggers happy memories and why. So it'll be interesting to see some of the uh, responses and see how many of those are, are related to outdoor sounds, as the as this survey suggests. So kind of an informal thing. Go to our Facebook page, thirteen thirty WFIN on Facebook, and uh, uh, share your favorite sound that triggers happy memories for you. We'll uh, check back uh, on that throughout the uh, program. If your internal biological clock is out of whack. Taking probiotics, or no, I'm sorry, prebiotics uh, is what is most likely to help. Now, prebiotics are dietary compounds which serve as food for good gut bacteria. Not to be confused with probiotics. Prebiotics are found in uh, fibrous foods like artichokes and onions. Uh, Studies have shown that uh, prebiotic-infused menu can help you sleep better and be more resilient to some of the physical effects of acute stress. And we have all been stressed over the past year. Researchers say that ingesting prebiotics uh, leads to more good bacteria, which in turn produces something called metabolites that are that protect you from something akin to jet lag. So, again, if you, it's one of those things, if you struggle to get going in the morning because your biological clock is out of whack, there you go. Clinical trials are currently underway to determine if prebiotics could have uh, similar effects uh, in humans as they have in lab tests on animals. Uh, Researchers says, uh, one researcher says, if you are happy and healthy and in balance, you do not need to go inject a bunch of stuff with a prebiotic in it but if you are uh, know you are going to come into a, a challenge uh, with respect to your biological clock getting all out of sync you could look uh, at some of the prebiotics that are available just realize they are not customized yet so it might work for you while it won't work for your neighbor or somebody else but anyway this is kind of interesting prebiotics what they say uh, can help if your uh, biological clock is all discombobulated Speaking of uh, medication and and things like that, the uh, Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, has not yet approved booster shots for COVID-19, but that is not stopping some people. Studies in the U.S. have found that the vaccines continue to provide strong protection against severe COVID-19 infections, even as evidence grows that their effectiveness against infection wanes over time. A review published earlier this week by an international group of scientists found that None of the data so far provided credible evidence in support of booster shots for the general population. Still, some are seeking boosters, saying that they worry that breakthrough infections could at least inconvenience them, if not land them in the hospital. They want to avoid it altogether. The New York Times says uh, many are just walking into pharmacies and getting a booster. And the way they are doing that, in many cases, some are saying that they have not been vaccinated prior so they get an injection it works like a booster and that's how people are doing it 
which I guess makes sense. Pretty easy way to do that. Public health experts generally do not agree with people choosing to get a booster shot on their own, saying it does not take into consideration the broader fight against the pandemic, which they believe should be focused on the 25% or so of Americans who are eligible, but as yet unvaccinated. Um, here is the uh, latest viral internet challenge that uh, particularly teenagers are engaging in. And this one leaves me just scratching my head. Um, teens are apparently stealing weird stuff from their schools in order to participate in the devious licks back to school trend on TikTok. The devious licks challenge. Uh, for this challenge, kids basically steal stuff from their schools and post about it, along with dramatic music and a big reveal. They have stolen all sorts of stuff. Uh, some considered small-grade licks, like toilet paper rolls or a classmate's shoes. Mid-tier licks are things like parking signs and desk chairs and complex swipes, including entire filing cabinets security cameras, and even toilets. Please, don't do this. Kids, don't try this at home. But this is what they're doing. This is uh, on on TikTok. This is the viral challenge. Um, School administrators are concerned. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And some, we mentioned uh, some toilets have come up missing. Some school bathrooms have been closed due to missing toilets and stolen bathroom stall covers. Uh, the, uh, bathroom, or not bathroom stall covered, bathroom stall dividers <laughs> been stolen. Yeah. Uh, one user even posted a recording of a school announcement imploring kids to stop see- stealing soap dispensers and uh, warning that they will face discipline if they are caught. Uh, TikTok has blocked all of the Devious Licks videos, as well as the hashtag. It has been banned from TikTok, but uh, hopefully that will die out. That's crazy. Crazy. Um, stealing things like that for fun. I don't get it. I don't. And lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the uh, most buzzworthy stories to get your midweek Wednesday uh, started... The first weekend of the NFL is now in the books and TV ratings for live events, including sports, which have been down since the pandemic began last year, now are starting to show signs of bouncing back. The ratings for the NFL's opening weekend were up 7% from last season and were the second highest for week one over the past five seasons. Uh, And the ratings, they say, are nearly equal to what they were in 2019 before all of this happened. Uh, On top of that, Monday night's overtime thriller between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Baltimore Ravens was the most watched Monday night football first week game since 2013. Although uh, that may have as much to do with the fact that it was on ABC, it was on the broadcast network, uh, as opposed to just being on ESPN. I mean, ESPN, a lot of people have it, but with more people cutting the cord these days, anything that's on cable is likely to see lower ratings than that of the broadcast networks. And Monday Night Football this week was on ABC. Uh, 
Last Thursday's season kickoff game between Tampa Bay and Dallas was the most watched first game of the season since 2015. So why are people tuning into the NFL again in greater numbers? ESPN believes last season game last season's games being played in empty stadiums created an odd viewing experience. Uh, they also say many people's viewing habits changed amid the pandemic and the first half of the season taking place during a presidential campaign last year, leading some people to pay more attention to like cable news instead of sports. So that's the reason why they, they believe that uh, the ratings were down last year. I guess we'll we'll see if the ratings increase can be sustained as we head into the second week of the season, but interesting nonetheless. There you go, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. WTOL 11 first alert forecast, cloudy early today, but it will become partly sunny with a high of 78. Clear tonight, a low of 58. Governor DeWine joined the Ohio Children's Hospital Association in pleading for mask mandates in schools. The governor says he's hearing from hospitals about how bad it's getting. And they ask all schools in Ohio, K-12, through to require masks for staff and students during this very dangerous surge of the coronavirus. The governor says there's been a dramatic surge in the number of children being hospitalized with COVID and attributed it to children returning to schools where face masks are not required. Finley City Schools says the wearing of a face mask is optional but recommended per CDC guidelines and those who haven't been vaccinated are highly encouraged to wear a mask. A Finley church will be holding a prayer march in a downtown Finley and is inviting other churches to join in. Mike McClurg is the pastor of Finley First Church of the Nazarene. I believe that our community needs to see our faith community come together as one instead of being divided over small issues that are non-essentials. And, uh, and just come together and just calling on him with one voice together. He says marchers plan to pray at landmarks along the way as they march towards downtown. The prayer march will be held on Saturday, October 2nd. Whirlpool Corporation, which has a plant in Findlay and employs about 10,000 people at five facilities in Ohio, is trying to get more of its employees vaccinated. Whirlpool is offering to pay workers $1,000 who get vaccinated against COVID-19. It comes as the Biden administration prepares an emergency rule that will require large companies like Whirlpool to ensure their entire workforce is vaccinated or subject them to weekly testing. Whirlpool's stepped-up bonus also applies to workers who were previously vaccinated. Dave James, in News. More medical marijuana dispensaries are coming to Ohio. The state's pharmacy board will issue up to 73 new licenses soon, more than doubling the number of dispensaries in the state. The new dispensaries will be allowed to include drive-up windows. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. As we were mentioning the other day, the latest producer price index out last week told us what we pretty much already know. Prices are going up, way up. And whether the inflation we've seen over the past several months is reactionary due to a rapid increase in post-pandemic demand coupled with a slower-than-expected restart in manufacturing, or whether higher prices will linger through the rest of this year and into 2022, there is no better time to sharpen your negotiation skills. Andres Laris is a managing partner at Shapiro Negotiations Institute. And Andres, worth pointing out that 80% of the price increases we've seen over the last couple of months 
can be traced to lodging, transportation, uh, new and used cars, all of which can be negotiated and, in fact, frequently are negotiated. That's, uh, that's absolutely true, and I think people don't necessarily think about it all the time, but uh, they can all be negotiated, and given how, inc- how significant the price increases have been, you have to. I, mean, we, I, yeah. I read recently that if they compared auction prices for used cars over uh, from two years ago to now, or even over the last year, they've gone up over 50%, so that yeah. is dramatic enough that you need to start negotiating. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, uh, although we typically uh, think of negotiating on car prices as a perfect example, you can negotiate the price of just about anything, in all honesty. That's that's definitely true. And so I think when you think of negotiating, there's there's uh, two parts. Of course, there's the lowering of the price. And so we think about the used car or the new car. We're asking for a thousand dollars off, or mm-hmm. you know, a percentage off of the of the sticker price. But the pieces that uh, often is forgotten is the fact you can add more value at the same price as well. And so if you're thinking in the car example, that might mean you know adding floor mats for free. That might be adding a free year of oil changes. That might mean whatever it may be, right? Yeah. So you're adding more value at the same price. And it is worth bringing that up in the car example because right now, so it's interesting, the, there's been a curve in, in where the leverage has been in buying cars. And so years ago, the last sort of decade with technology, the leverage went to the buyer because we were so much more aware. We could find so many comps. We could find so much more information. And so we were armed more than ever before going to buy a car. Well, the tables are turning a little bit now that cars are flying off the rack and they're selling for 50% more than they were a year ago. We don't have as much leverage, so it's harder to negotiate, uh, although it's become more critical because of the price increases. Right. So being flexible in how you do it to both decrease the price but also add more value is an important piece to keep in mind. And, of course, uh, we also should point out that even if we're not talking about a big-ticket purchase from a from a business, from a retailer, uh, how many of us are, are buying and selling things online these days, secondhand, and negotiation can be a really particularly useful skill to have uh, even when you're talking about individual uh, horse trading, as it were. Absolutely. Well, I just, I just went through this actually yesterday. So I happened to buy... I'm a golfer and I happened to buy a new putter on eBay yesterday. Mm-hmm. And what I found was interesting is uh, in eBay, you can make offers uh, on, on some of the items that are not being auctioned off. And I did find it interesting that I made a couple of different offers for different putters. And some people responded with a little bit of a note and some people didn't. And I do believe that those that did, and we actually studied this some years ago, typically are going to be more effective. There's an explanation. So, you know, let's say the putter is a hundred dollars. And so they counter, you know, I offer 80 and they counter back with 90. Those that might respond with, look, that's just the best I can do because X, Y, and Z having that because they're that justification mm-hmm. typically makes it more compelling to the other party. So when you mentioned online items, I thought of that example perfectly that even there it makes sense. There is an ability to negotiate, but also doing it the right way. And that's one little quick tip. Having yeah. a because justification when you explain something is a, is a very simple and powerful tool when you're negotiating. Yeah, you actually have uh, five tactics that are critical in the negotiation process. I want to take them on kind of one at a time. And the first and, and maybe the most important uh, is to build rapport with the person or business salesperson, whoever it is that you're negotiating with, because as somebody one, very wise once told me, it's hard to stick it to somebody that you like. <laughs> 
Well, that's exactly it. Because, you know, if uh, let's take the most extreme example, I don't think a lot of people are waking up in the morning excited to potentially buy a new or used car. And that process is usually not number one on people's list. But let's say you go do that. Think of the difference from the salesperson's perspective, where person A comes in and says, okay, the car is 20000 The most I can pay is 19000 Can you do it or not? And so it sounds great from an efficiency standpoint, but they're really not going to go out of their way to help you. Mm-hmm. And just because there's no report built there and, and they think it's all, you know, it's almost like you've cut through it too much. Yeah. But now imagine the opposite where you spend 10, 15 minutes looking at the car, talking to the salesperson and you say, look, I love this car. This is a perfect fit and I can buy it today, but my budget is, is 19,000 and it really is a firm budget. Any way you can, you can help me get there. And so which one do you think that salesperson is going to be more likely to go to bat for? And who will they go back to the sales manager and say, look, we really need to make this happen for this person because, you know, they're getting a commission. We're selling one. It's going to happen today. And this person's budget is firm. Well, the only difference in that example was the rapport you built, right? Spending 10 or 15 minutes to get to know the person, mm-hmm. they're just more likely to go back to, you know, it's, it's, a, it's almost a human bias, if you will. So building rapport is really important. And if, if it can be helpful when you're buying a used car, obviously it can be helpful in just about any other environment. Absolutely. A little small talk goes a long way. Uh, Obviously, you want to ask about discounts or incentive programs. Again, cars are a perfect example, but there may be other situations where something like that would apply as well. Yes, it's, uh, you know, lodging. In the beginning, you talked about how a couple of things, you know, there's there's a few areas that have gone up in price significantly, and lodging is one of them. We think you go to a hotel, and so a hotel it will not want to discount very much because they're restricted there. So they can't just make a $150 room, a hundred dollars. And when you think about it, it's interesting because that room, if it's not rented to you, will go to complete waste, but they can't do that to make sure they maintain their, their, you know, their, the precedent, the, the branding. And so their price, uh, you know, the price is, is a structure there that is inflexible, but mm-hmm. there that's where you can't discount the price because certainly add value. So, if you were to ask that same hotel, look, at 150, are you able to put me instead in a room that faces the water? Can I get breakfast included tomorrow as part of the package? Can I get the ups- the increased internet package? Whatever it may be, those are ways that you can add more value in accommodations that people normally don't think about. And quite frankly, they're easier asks, right? It's, it, you don't feel quite as you know greedy, if you will, almost making that ask, but mm-hmm. it's in everyone's best interest. They want you there. And uh, you get a little bit more value by asking. Yeah, that speaks to one of your other tips, and that is uh, compromising on uh, what you would be willing to settle for if the price is not negotiable. There are other things, as you said, that uh, certainly can be uh, negotiated as part of an overall package. And you mentioned earlier doing your research is very important. The good part in that is these days it's never been easier. It is, it is exactly. It's never been easier. We're very lucky in that way. Although I guess it's sometimes almost unlucky and there's too much, right? It can be almost be overwhelming to with everything we have access to. But but certainly if you think about the difference, if you're going to go, you know, you're going to buy something, whether it's in this case, even for housing, right? Obviously real estate's gone up dramatically in most parts of the country too, but housing and um, certainly cars as well. So having the comps of thinking, okay, they do two things. First of all, they tell you what's a realistic price, what's a fair price. They can help you negotiate in that way. But the second piece is if you do your research, you become more confident. And so that goes along with one of the things we like to say in our negotiation training, which is nothing convinces like conviction. And so if you've done your research, you're more confident. And if you're more confident, you're much more likely to be able to persuade the other party. And so it really is a twofold 
yeah. impact when you do prepare. And that actually speaks to the uh, fifth uh, tip, and and along with what you were talking about uh, earlier in terms of having a reason for throwing out uh, a price, or if you're the seller holding to a certain price, uh, having that explanation, that justification, these are all various uh, actions, phrases, uh, little things that you can do during the process of the negotiation that help you get the upper hand, whichever side of the coin you are on. That's exactly right. And so for the phrases, one thing I like to share, sort of a big picture that you can use in any negotiation is think of how aggressive you want to be in this particular negotiation you have upcoming as uh, being part of a spectrum. And so, for example, if you are looking at that car that you really will only pay $19,000 after you build a little rapport, let the person know, look, this is the best I can do. But if you can get there, I will buy today. And so there's a firmness to it that it's real. I mean, if you go down to 19,000 or 20,000, I will buy the car. I will Mm -hmm. buy the car today. Otherwise I will not. But that's a little different than, for example, let's say you're negotiating your salary. With this inflation that's happening, that means if we're making the same amount of money, we're actually making less, right? If, if we're right. You know, making the same take-home pay. And so you're negotiating your salary. Well, you may not want to take the same approach, right? If, if you don't move me up from 60000 to 65000 I'm leaving. Well, that is a bit aggressive if you're going to have to see this person the next day. Right. And so then all of a sudden, you can be lower in the spectrum and say instead – you know, I've taken a look at the comps, and so inflation, for example, over the last few months has gone up from one percent to five percent, and as a result, this you know salary is going lower, and I've seen prices, I've seen salaries go up in this area X percent, and you know, what you know what could we do with my salary? And so you'll notice two things we did there. This time you you brought up some precedents, so it isn't just you asking for more; it's the fact that you've again, got some objective criteria. Yep. Again, the justification. Again, the justification. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And the second part is. In this case, because you want to be a little softer, you haven't you haven't specifically asked for five thousand more, ten thousand more, two thousand more. You've brought up the precedents, but you sort of put the ball in their court to see what's fair, so that they make the offer. And you're doing that for two reasons: a little softer, and you get a small chance at actually getting more than you thought you would. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times you advise people to make an ask, and they're thinking they want three thousand more, and they do it that way, and they get forty five hundred dollars more, and yeah. you wouldn't have given yourself that opportunity if you asked for three thousand. So. Uh, think of that spectrum when you're making the ask. And uh, maybe the last uh, and, and most important part of negotiating, and this is maybe the hardest. I know for me, it's the uh, hardest thing, when, especially if it's something that I really, really want, being willing to walk away uh, if you have to. It is so important to be willing to do that, and you're right, it is hard. And the best way to do that, to help yourself do that, is by writing down where your walk away is before you enter the negotiation. And so if you do that, what will happen is it'll, it'll help you two things. You're more, you're thinking clearly cause you're not in the heat of the battle. If you will, mm-hmm. negotiations could be emotional. And so you've written it before you're in that emotional state. And so then in the moment, then what it'll help you to do is, okay, the most you're willing to pay is X and you're getting beyond that. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to walk away permanently. It's like this is done. I'm out of here. You pick up your stuff and leave. But it does at least guarantee that you'll take a break. Look, that's beyond what I thought I could do. You know, can we reconvene tomorrow? Can I call you back? Whatever it may be. And then you get a step back and then you can decide for yourself objectively, okay, did something change where I'm willing to pay more than I originally said I would when I wrote this down? 
or do I just need to be able to walk away? Because when I was thinking clearly and objectively, that's, uh, there's a reason I said that was the maximum. And so that's the, the, the easiest way to, to help yourself do that is by writing it down before you start negotiating. Negotiating tactics have never been more important than they are right now. Again, Andres Laris is a managing partner at Shapiro Negotiations Institute. You have more information on your website, right? We do. And then the other piece of, of more information is I'm excited that while it's the company's fifth book, it's, it's by my first book that I co-wrote a book that came out uh, in July called Persuade, the four-step process to influence people and decisions. And um, that's also a great way to get this information. It's uh, jam-packed 200 pages with a lot more of what we just covered today. Andres, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, there's no question the coronavirus pandemic of the past year plus has thrown many small business owners for a loop from mom and pop retailers to restaurateurs. There has been an awful lot of out of the box thinking just to keep the doors open. And a lot of those entrepreneurs uh, are familiar with Square, of course, the payment processing cash flow management platform. Joining us this morning is Square Banking's head of product, Christina Rikers. And uh, Christina, clearly this all has had an unprecedented impact on small businesses. What have been the biggest lessons learned over the past year to year and a half as you talk to small business owners across all categories? There are three big lessons. Uh, One of the biggest takeaways from the last 18 months it's a reminder that small businesses are scrappy and they are resilient. <laughs> now, in those early days, we saw restaurants transform into community markets. We saw retailers turn their attention to making cloth masks and breweries use their equipment to manufacture hand sanitizer. Now, this really speaks to the tenacity of small business owners. Lesson number two, e-commerce is here to stay. Uh, COVID accelerated what was inevitable for many businesses, this move to online. While some businesses were already on this path, one big trend we observed was that the pandemic made the shift uh, a very immediate need for businesses, both large and small. Cash flow became an immediate concern for sellers when restrictions started falling into place. You even saw revenue go to zero overnight for some sellers. Yeah. So at Square, we, we rolled out solutions like curbside pickup and delivery in those early days. And we saw sellers immediately beginning to use these safer methods. That may actually be, just to interject, that may actually be uh, one of the biggest lasting legacies uh, of this is that it, it really got too big to ignore. As you said, this kind of accelerated a, a trend that we had been seeing. We knew that this was uh, going this way, but uh, because of all of this, those who uh, had been resisting uh, that trend were forced to face it head on. Absolutely. Uh, online became essential. And so, you know, my, my message for your listeners today, if you're a small business owner is you need to get online if you're not already. Right. right? And, and that looks different for different types of businesses. If you're a services business, maybe that means you have, uh, you know, you spin up a quick uh, appointments scheduling that's online and make sure it's tied to your business's Google or Yelp listing really wherever your customers are going to go to find you or service like you. Yeah. If you're a restaurant, Set up an online store so that folks can order food for pickup. 
or they can eat outside and use a QR code to look at a, a menu and order. Yeah. Uh, so those were the uh, first two. What was the uh, third? I didn't mean to kind of get off on that tangent, but... Uh. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I think that the final lesson from, from COVID with small businesses was just seeing how critical financial services can be for businesses, sure. uh, especially the small ones. PPP was a critical lifeline for a number of small businesses. We were ultimately able to help more than 80,000 small businesses access over $1 billion in relief funds. Yeah, and, and just to think of where those entrepreneurs would be today without that emergency funding. So let's talk about where we are uh, right now. Where, where, what are some uh, some of the steps that entrepreneurs can take uh, to succeed from this point forward? Now, I, you know, we've made it through, hopefully, the worst of this. Now what? Yes. So we talked about one, which is getting online. Uh, the second step is better cash flow management. I think the, the third uh, tip I would give for small business owners is given the start and stop nature of the pandemic, you must seek out services and technology that don't come with contracts or fixed fees. Uh, this can help protect your finances in instances where cases flare up or restrictions change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing that that we've learned is that things can change very quickly. Uh, so it is a point well taken. You don't want to be locked into uh, one set way of doing things when you may have to pivot over literally uh, overnight. Now, we, we talk about looking forward because hopefully the worst of this has passed us. But there is so much uncertainty right now. Uh, people wondering, are we truly in the waning stages of the pandemic? We've seen the resurgence of the, uh, the Delta variant. Uh, there are those who uh, believe that we may have already seen the peak of the economic recovery. So the flip side of that same coin, what are your thoughts on the future of the economic recovery and where we go from here? Historically, small businesses haven't had the same access to financial services that larger businesses have. Mm-hmm. And that just makes challenging times like these even tougher. So moving forward, I think the onus is on the financial industry to make financial services more accessible to small businesses. Uh, this is something that we've done with Square Loans, which is another component of Square Banking. And I've mentioned this before, but I, I think we'll also see more business owners pay closer attention to their cash flow to build financial resiliency. It, nobody wants to get caught flat-footed again. So I expect more small businesses will begin to build up their savings buffer. If there was one other piece of advice to share with entrepreneurs who are kind of grappling with the conditions right now and, you know, so up, so much up in the air uh, moving forward, what would that be? Yeah, I, I'd reiterate the three points of one, bring your store services online. Two, make sure you're not stuck paying for services with contracts or with high monthly fees. And three, start automatically setting some of your sales aside for a rainy day. Uh, wise words there moving forward. Again, uh, Christina Rikers is uh, head of product for Square Banking. Where do we get uh, more information? Head to squareup.com slash banking. Uh, we also have numerous educational resources on our site for businesses of all sizes, and we would love to serve you uh, and help you learn more. Christina, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chris. Take care. And now to today's Keeping the Faith series. It is a fact that in America today, some 3 million kids have grandparents who, for various reasons, have stepped in as parents to fill the role as parents. 
that can create a huge generation gap, obviously. The new book, Grandparenting Teens, offers some valuable insights on bridging that generation gap. Correspondent John Clemens has more this morning, Keeping the Faith. Teen behavior expert Mark Gregson of Heartlight Ministries is the author of the book, Grandparenting Teens, Leaving a Legacy of Hope. He tells us many times grandparents are left out. More than anything else, what they've got to do is, is start to realize that uh, when their kids hit those early teen years, their social circles are going to expand. And when they start to expand, what happens is the grandparents get kind of lopped out of the group because grandkids don't see the need for grandparents anymore. That, I mean, if you can only have 30 people you say connected with, then somehow the grandparents get left out. Teens should understand grandparents can lead them to the kind of skills that will last them a lifetime. And so grandparents have got to engage in such a way that, that says, I'm still meaningful, I'm still purposeful, I'm still, I'm still intentional, I can give you something that you can't receive anywhere else. And, and sometimes the, the greatest fallacy is that grandparents want to remain connected, but they're doing things to disconnect themselves. And that's where I spend a lot of time in this book, helping grandparents realize this is how you remain engaged, and here's some ways that you need to kind of move toward your grandchild rather than pushing them away. Gregson writes in Grandparenting Teens that in this day and age, true relationships are limited. The basic core of most kids is the same. They're created for relationship. God's created us all that way, and they're longing to have relationships. So cliques and peer groups and associations and band memberships and playing football and sports, it's all about relating and, and engaging with one another. But what's happened in the last four or five years is that the way that kids communicate is limited relationships. And it's limited relationships to such an extent that you don't get this iron sharpening iron anymore. Most Americans are shocked to discover how the so-called experts define the adolescent years. Kids aren't growing up. They're not maturing. The American Medical Association has increased the age of adolescence stage 27. They don't have the same relationships that you and I had that force us to learn how to value one another and to engage and to communicate and connect. And my fear is that kids feel like they have a lot of friends, but they really don't. And that's what's really changed more than anything else, the way they relate. And it's because of a cell phone. It's because of the Internet. Gregson writes about how some teens are reluctant to grow up. They don't want to grow up because they're comfortable where they are. But I think the bigger issue is, is that as parents and as grandparents, we're not preparing our kids and grandkids for the world that they're going to live in. We're trying to get them to conform to our world. And that's where the biggest shift has got to change, that we're preparing them for the world that they'll live in and preparing them for the challenges that they'll face. Besides writing Grandparenting Teens, Gregson is also the founder of Heartlight Ministries, a premier residential counseling center that is a boarding school for struggling teens. I live with 60 high school kids. They come from all over the country. We've had over 3,000 kids live with us throughout the years. And the kids come to us who are struggling, making poor choices, or have had a traumatic event happen in their life where it has just caused them to go on a downward spiral. And parents are at the point where they just feel like they can't handle anymore. And they're fearful that their child's not going to be around in a few months. And so they send them to us. And so we work with them at a residential counseling center called Heartlight. Grandparenting Teens is the culmination of Gregson's 40 years of experience with struggling teens. 
it's really from all the things that I've learned from all these kids and, and all these parents that causes me to go spend 200 nights on the road leading seminars and conferences and writing books. And I mean, it's all practical experience that I'm always sharing with families to say, let's just not talk about it. Let's put into place some things that are effective and work. And I know they work because they work with the kids that live with us. We've been doing this 40 plus years. Today, grandparents offer the hope teens can't even find within their immediate families. Grandparents have the opportunity to not have rules at home, to spoil them like crazy, to engage with them in such a way that they leave our home feeling a sense of hope and encouragement, that they feel loved, and they know that there's nothing they can do to make me love them more, and there's nothing they can do to make me love them less. I want to be that filling station, not the one that's correcting them, not the one that's telling them what they're doing wrong or how they need to do it better. I want to love on them and let them know that there's a place of encouragement, and that's the grandparents' role. Here's how to get more information from teen behavior expert Mark Gregson, author of the book, Grandparenting Teens. Yeah, probably the best place is parentingtodaysteens.org. This is John Clemens reporting. A lot of wisdom there in that book and at that website, which we have linked up at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Keeping the faith. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. This is definitely not the uh, treasure that uh, most people would hope to find. A seven-year-old boy in Perkasky, uh, per- Perkasy, Pennsylvania. Is that how you pronounce, how do you pronounce that town? Perkasy, Pennsylvania. Seven-year-old boy on a treasure hunt in his backyard last weekend and found a box labeled 840 cartridge, cartridges, 5.56 millimeter. <laughs> that doesn't sound encouraging, does it? The uh, boy's mother said the box was found under, uh, under a tree and contained a grenade, mortar tips, and fuses. She contacted police who investigated and said the grenade was not a threat as it appeared to be empty. The <laughs> that, that doesn't exactly... Sound a whole lot of confidence. It appears to be empty. <laughs> it appears to be. Are you sure? The uh, item was removed by police, and uh, they say there was no danger to the public. But uh, <laughs> that's a treasure, uh, but not what he expected to find. I guess seven-year-old came across a grenade in his backyard. Wow. Um, police in Galveston, Texas, got a call on Monday about a masked man on a local beach holding what appeared to be a bloody knife. This obviously generated much police attention. Uh, Mark Metzger was arrested. He is a local attorney who decided to, he said he decided to roam the beach in a Michael Myers costume uh, just for fun, I guess. (laughs) It It was a prank, not particularly well received. He was cited for disorderly conduct and released. Uh, Attorney Mr. Metzger said in a Facebook post on Monday night, he was still fuzzy on exactly what was illegal about what he did. (laughs) Hasn't exactly learned his lesson. That uh, will will generally get people's attention if you're roaming the beach with a bloody knife. Surprise, surprise. Have a candidate for Dad of the Year, a New Hampshire man, Manchester, New Hampshire, facing charges for allegedly throwing his infant daughter into a clothes dryer and turning it on. Police uh, were called 
to the home where a woman said Michael Higgins had been fighting with her and then threw his child into the machine. Well, I don't know if he threw the child into the machine. He placed the uh, child into the clothes dryer and turned it on. The uh, mother says she intervened and removed the girl before she suffered any injuries. Mr. Higgins has been charged with endangering the welfare of a child and reckless conduct, among other counts. And will not, I repeat, will not be getting the Father of the Year award this year. His child in the clothes dryer. Oh, man. This is kind of interesting. A plea deal has been reached in the case of Mark Samsel of Wellsville, Kansas. He has agreed to plead guilty on three counts of disorderly conduct and serve 12 months of probation. Prosecutors say he was working as a substitute teacher at the Wellsville High School in April when he allegedly kicked one student in the area where you don't want to be kicked. Let's say he kicked a male student in an area you don't want to be kicked. The substitute teacher did uh, as while the, uh, the class was discussing topics including religion and suicide. Uh, Mr. Samsel told police it was God's plan for him to do those things. Uh, but he has been ordered not to have any contact with the victims or use any form of social media moving forward. By the way, should point out that Mark Samsel serves as a state representative <laughs> in the Kansas legislature. Um, <clears throat> I might think that his reelection campaign uh, just got a uh, bigger hurdle. It's <laughs> Wow. <clears throat> and you would think that as an elected official, he would know better, but apparently not. And finally, in the broken news this morning, if you have or have been the parent of a young child, if you have a young child or you've been the parent of a young child, you know just how nosy the little ones can be. Uh, so when mommy and daddy have some new toys to play with, you really should make sure that they are out of the reach of the little ones. Uh, this is out of Great Britain. Kala Man- uh, Manili found that out the hard way when her five-year-old daughter stumbled upon a set of silicone rings uh, that is meant to stimulate one's nether regions. <laughs> Let's put it that way. The the child uh, took the rings and gave one to a friend at school as a gift, thinking it was a friendship bracelet. (laughs) Uh, When her her friend showed off her new gift to her parents, (laughs) that's when things got interesting. The friend's mom texted Ms. Manili and said, hey, your daughter gave this to my daughter on the bus today, <laughs> sending a picture of the uh, <clears throat> device. Uh, Ms. Manili says she has never been that embarrassed in my entire life. <laughs> Thankfully, the other mom saw the humor in the incident and uh, said, uh, you know, all's well, we can get it back to you. 
the Manilis uh, grilled their litter, little one who eventually confessed to snooping around her father's cabinet and uh, they gave her a, a five minute timeout for not minding her own business. <laughs> And uh, probably mom and dad used that time uh, to uh, find a new hiding place for the uh, <clears throat> friendship bracelets. Yeah. That's... <laughs> there you go. That is uh, today's broken news. This update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines uh, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. The Finley Trojans play here on WFIN. This is Tim Montgomery. Join me and Coach Cliff Height for all the action of Trojan football in 2021. We'll bring you every exciting play each Friday night, all season long, home and away. This is Coach Stephen Adams. Up next on Friday night, the Trojans are on the road to take on the Whitmer Panthers. Finley Trojan football is here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You know, we often think that young people are the eternal optimists of the world, that it's us old fogies that always think that the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And uh, it's young people that have that eternal optimism for the future. Well, maybe not. According to a new survey of 10,000 young people across 10 countries, so this is not just here in the U.S., this is around the world, 10,000 young people surveyed, 56% say that humanity is doomed. <laughs> 56% of young adults believe that humanity is doomed. And uh, most of them attribute that to their respective governments. Now, again, this is around uh, across 10 countries across the world, so not just in the U.S. Um, no matter where you're from, you pretty much blame that on your government. Young people said that their government was betraying them and future generations through their inaction. 56% of people surveyed said they agreed with the statement that humanity is doomed. And 75% said that they believed the future was frightening. So even more than believe that we are doomed, even if young people don't think that maybe we're not doomed, at the very least, the future is frightening. It's hard to disagree with some <laughs> that sometimes. You look at what's going on around the world, and it's hard to disagree. But I just found that shocking that young people... Uh, are the ones out there saying, humanity is doomed. Something to chew on. Well, don't look now, but if you check the calendar, you'll see that we are now 100 days until Christmas. And if you are screaming at your radio right now, consider this. This year, experts expect that we will see the earliest holiday shopping ever. Consumer tech expert Katie Linendahl is with us once again to share some interesting data surrounding holiday shopping 2021 and what consumers are looking for this year. Katie, why is it that holiday shopping is starting so much earlier this year? And is it true that retailers are feeling pretty optimistic uh, about what the holiday shopping season will hold? Ah, yes, and it's so 
good to be chatting with you and also to be chatting about Christmas. It's never too early, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's so interesting too. I was working with Sitecore and I partnered with them on, they did a U.S. holiday survey. They armed themselves with all this data and information and supply it to marketers in so many different categories from retail to travel to automotive so that these different marketers can better understand their customers and consumers. And what we got back from this holiday survey was so interesting. And to answer your first question, you know, yes, a lot of individuals are already shopping already. As much as a third of consumers already started their holiday shopping around Labor Day. Wow. And the reason for that is they're shopping earlier. They just don't want a repeat of last year to happen. And maybe you were impacted by it as well. Short, supply shortages last year. Right. And many people just could not get the gifts that they were looking for because they were not available. But also couple that with the positive momentum. 91% of retailers are optimistic about a revenue boost this season and especially small businesses, which we love to hear. 63% of consumers surveyed said, you know what? I am willing to pay a little bit more if it is locally made and it is from my small business. So some good positive retail and consumer optimism heading into holiday. And from that same data report, I thought it was also interesting, and in, in the the statistic you just mentioned about uh, people willing to pay a little bit more uh, to support local businesses and, and local manufacturers also showcased a big shift in personal perspective uh, post-pandemic, maybe because of everything that we have been through. You nailed it. I mean, from the past 18 months, what we're seeing, and it's leading the way is millennials and Gen Z. They're saying, you know what? I am ready to be more spontaneous and enjoy life more than ever. And with that, too, we saw 71% of consumers would prefer experience gifts as opposed to more stuff. And they want that trip of a lifetime. They want to be more spontaneous. They want to be more social and just literally enjoy life more. And I think that rightfully so from everything that we've experienced. And specifically speaking, 75% of Gen Z and 69% of millennials are willing to make big life enhancements post-pandemic. So I think it speaks volumes in terms of that age bracket of consumers. I, I think it also builds on a number of surveys where we have heard people say that they have sort of refocused on that which is truly important in their lives. And this is kind of an offshoot of that. Absolutely. And you nailed it. If I could show you the pages of data that say people have reflected yeah. on the simple and important things in life and how we love family, but we love family even more than we knew. So it's been really great to see the, the, the silver linings that have come from the moments. So that is something to keep in mind as we are starting to think about gift giving for the holiday season. And I'm also curious, as you mentioned, a substantial uh, number of people have already started their holiday shopping as early as Labor Day. Does that mean that uh, the traditional kickoffs of Black Friday, Cyber Monday might not be what they once were? Are those kind of shopping extravaganzas, the big traditional kickoff of the holiday season? Is that all a thing of the past? Great question. And, you know, two massive shopping days that we've become so accustomed to, and it's just part of our household verbiage, but the data speaks volumes about Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And believe it or not, 80% of those surveys feel that Black Friday has just become outdated 
And 78% of marketers say Cyber Monday is just no longer a thing for their business. Hmm. I was really surprised by this when I started to process it. And I said, you know, to the point of shopping earlier, but also to just having that data and the insights of knowing your customer. If you have the technological resources that we do today and you can better understand your customer, you can put out more targeted promotions that better align with your brand. So perhaps Black Friday and Cyber Monday aren't going to be a thing and there won't be any fights for televisions and VR headsets (laughs) like we've seen on the news in the past. (laughs) <laughs> we are we are seeing more retailers uh, saying that they are going to close up for uh, Thanksgiving and uh, you know maybe not uh, do the big Black Friday thing. So uh, certainly some of the uh, big retailers have gotten that message. They apparently are seeing the same thing, the same trends. It totally, and actually, I'll, I'll rip off of that too. We saw that only sixty percent of brands are actually planning that Black Friday promotion down from seventeen percent from last year. So, mm. an association negatively with where we're at in terms of consumer culture is really the the, the takeaway that we're seeing from the data. Uh, more evidence that the pandemic has changed things, uh, maybe moving forward more dramatically than we first realized. Again, consumer tech expert Katie Lindendahl with some interesting data surrounding the upcoming holiday shopping season. Or don't say upcoming for some, it's already here. And what consumers are uh, thinking about uh, heading into the holidays this year. Katie, where do we get more information on all of this? Absolutely. You can head on over to sitecore.com or over to my website at katielindendahl.com. Katie, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. I guess. And and happy holidays. I was going to say, we should say happy holidays, I guess. Perfect. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program today. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about, as always, at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, they are exhausted, traumatized, and long past the point of burnout. America's critical care nurses sound off on their frontline experiences of the past year and how it could impact the healthcare system long after the pandemic is over. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow. 